My name's Lloyd Danzig, and on this podcast, we explore the topics and trends that are shaping the creation and dispersion of artificial intelligence around the globe. Welcome to the AI Experience. All right. Thanks a lot, everyone, for joining us for another episode of the AI Experience. Uh, should be a quick one today. I got a specific request for a briefer than normal uh, primer on GoFi, good old-fashioned AI. You may have seen the acronym G-O-F-A-I somewhere online or on the popular hackathon shirt, GoFi or Go Home. Uh, it's often referred to as classical AI and occasionally conflated with symbolic AI. Uh, but given that it's, you know, a materially different type of approach to artificial intelligence that really did found, form a lot of the foundation of AI research and the notion of recreating intelligent pattern recognition and prediction a la the human brain, uh, I think it's worth quickly explaining. So first of all, symbolic AI uh, is the category that good old-fashioned AI tends to fall into and really is just the term for you know, the collection of any methods in AI research where you're using a human readable or human interpretable uh, symbol of some sort to communicate information and represent information within the system. And people point out the fact that humans are examples of machines that use symbolic AI. Everything that we refer to or point to or take pictures of or send emojis of, those are all uh, symbols. Even words are really symbols. Uh, simulations and simulacra, according to some, but really dog, cat, houseboat, tree uh, are symbols for objects that exist, and we use them as we transact in information and intelligently learn how to reference specific houses versus houses in general uh, throughout our courses of learning as humans. And I think it, you know, check me on this, but I, basically from the mid to late uh, 40s, maybe more 1950s is when Good old-fashioned AI, uh, of course, as it was not called then, uh, and, and specifically symbolic in artificial intelligence, really was the main area of research and, and thought to be what was going to drive AI development for, for years to come. And, and one of the main advantages of the way these symbolic AI systems were put together is that although it would take a long time for someone to code in all the information and all the representations that needed to be made for the machine to learn, once that was done, it could learn, learn sort of in quotes at least, reason through its process in, in, in a relatively efficient amount of time. And so good old-fashioned AI wasn't, I don't think was coined until 1985, and is really specifically this approach where you take a knowledge set and you use it to create what sometimes is called an expert system. The idea being that an expert system would understand all of the possible information that it could contain. And then if given some subset of information within its area of expertise, could predict or opine or relate it to others. And the way that has been done historically is by using something that usually, if they're represented on paper, look sort of like uh, maybe programming functions, quick programming functions. Uh, and, and the way it would work is that you have a word on the outside of a set of parentheses and then a few things within that set of parentheses. So, for example, I'm going to take uh, something straight from a Reddit thread that I had found that I thought 
Uh, it's, it's an eight-year-old comment, actually, but I thought did a, did a pretty good job, where they lay out a few different what are called relations between what are called features of this set of knowledge over which an expert system or good old-fashioned AI system is attempting to be built. And in this particular case, it's a restaurant that people are working at. And you could imagine that an AI might want to learn the operations of a restaurant and who works there and how the restaurant functions in order to streamline its processes or automate them of something of that nature. And so the features and relations that you'd have is the first one might be the word at, you know, AT, as in where someone is physically located. Remember, it's not computer code. This is human readable English. At parentheses, restaurant, comma, Alice. That would mean that the restaurant and Alice are two objects or features of this system and that the, the thing that relates them to each other is this word at. The computer doesn't know who Alice is. The computer doesn't know who the restaurant is. The computer doesn't know what it means to be at a place. But they are being told that whatever at is, Alice is at the restaurant. And then it will have a few other relations. At parentheses restaurant comma Bob and at parentheses restaurant comma Carol. Carol, I'm sorry. So now we have these three relations that show that Bob, Alice, and Carol are all related to the restaurant in the same way in that they are at it. And if we were trying to learn a different language right now or we didn't speak English and we're trying to understand this, we would start to get a sense, okay, whatever this word at means, uh, it seems to be something that, you know, relates to what people do and how they are eating at restaurants or something like that. And then we could add in some more detail. We could do works at parentheses restaurant comma Carol. We could do orders parentheses Bob comma pizza and orders parentheses Alice comma sushi. So we know that Carol, Alice and Bob are all at the restaurant. But now we know that the re specific relationship Carol has with the restaurant is this thing called works at, whereas Bob and Alice's relationship with the restaurant is this thing called orders or ordering. And what you can then start doing is building logical questions, you know, for all X, Y and Z orders in this system and, you know, waitresses that have a job whose names are Carol uh, you know, what should be served to whom. And as you teach more and more relations between features of a system, the idea is that a, a properly uh, built and structured machine would learn. And again, sort of learn in quotes, even compared to the current definition of machine learning, although similar, could learn these relations and, and use those uh, in, in a series of production rules to uh, facilitate various processes. And, and, you know, once you've sort of taken the inference engine and trained it on the knowledge base, to use the, the terminology from, you know, the, the GoFi vernacular, the, the knowledge base ends up representing these rules and facts. The, if, the inference engine takes those rules that were known, were applied to known facts, and then uses them to either A, deduce new facts, or figure out how those rules can be applied to others. Uh, and so that is sort of an interesting way to think about it. You could have a system trained on all the rules of the game of basketball and use it to either figure out new rules and facts about the game 
uh, or to, to, to make predictions and to verify different things and make do sensitivity analyses uh, and, and essentially automate, you know, the way the game is refereed, perhaps. Uh, and so really, that's what good old fashioned AI is and was in a nutshell. It really was the precursor to a lot of the AI technologies that exist today. Uh, and it was based on a, a concept of wanting to get machines to learn just as, as we do. And the reason I think it was worth taking, you know, five, 10 minutes to, to point this out is because when good old fashioned AI was, you know, the hot thing and the paradigm in artificial intelligence, people weren't really thinking that these things called deep neural networks were going to come along and totally you know, reshape the entire landscape and how people look at the possible applications and the constraints and, you know, potential upsides and downsides to, to using AI. And I think it's just important to keep a similar disposition toward the future. Uh, maybe the types of AI and ML that are being used right now will be called, you know, good old or good not so old fashioned AI by, by people in the near future. Uh, and as technology improves more and more quickly, as that technology is self-improving and is used to improve itself at a faster rate, you know, the likelihood of just complete divergences uh, or, or just complete um, reshufflings or at least redirections of certain industries, certain subcategories, really there, there's almost an endless amount of possibility. And we as humans are great at linear extrapolation, uh, but not so good at sort of nonlinear extrapolation, which ironically is one of the things machine learning provides, you know, in, in ways that humans do not. So uh, this, like I said, intended to be a short episode. I think I kept it under 10 minutes here. Appreciate uh, the, the person who had reached out and requested this. Always up for, you know, any specific ideas and, and, and suggestions for shows. If there's anything anyone else is uh, has been hearing about or wanting to learn about and would rather a 10, 15 minute, you know, explanation uh, as opposed to combing through Wikipedia or academic literature or any number of other sources. Uh, absolutely always open to that. So please feel free to reach out Twitter, LinkedIn, email uh, or anything else. Uh, thanks so much, everyone, for joining us. This has been another episode of the AI Experience. <laughs>